the city of Providencialis. Here is tonight's Nations Report with Zoya Fessler. It's Monday, February 27, 2023. It's the start of a brand new week. Let's take a look at what's making headlines today. Police conduct operation at Popular Provo Nightclub. Two new justices appointed for Court of Appeal. Barbados to export packaged sugar to the United States. Jamaican major hype arrested in the U.S. Migrant vessel crashes off Italian coast, leaving more than 50 dead. Arrest warrant issued for rapper Kodak Black. We'll also take a look at the latest in the sporting world and your weather forecast. Join me for those stories and more. I'm Soya Fassler. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Nation Station 89.1 FM. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Today is a special day in the Turks and Caicos Islands as the Premier, Honorable Charles Washington Mizik, will address the nation at 7 p.m. in the State of the State Address for the government's two years in office. You can listen via the Nation Station, Radio Turks and Caicos 89.1 FM, or watch live on Facebook on the office of the Premier. Now, the Royal Turks and Caicos Islands Police Force is cracking down on its efforts to combat crime, this time with nightclubs and providenciales. A policing operation took place between the hours of 12.45 a.m. and 2.50 a.m. on February 25th at the Versace Bar and Lounge on Leeward Highway. An intelligence-led operation took place at this location to prevent serious crime and detect those people who may be involved. The highly visible policing operation involved the searching of persons at that location and a quantity of marijuana was confiscated. As part of the operation, the Commissioner of Police authorized an authority to search persons and vehicles in a designated location. The authority was given under Section 36A1A of the Police Force Amended Ordinance 2022. The legislation was passed in late 2022 as part of the new ordinances to tackle national security issues. This was the first occasion the authority has been provided. Head of Crime, Safeguarding and Public Protection Unit Superintendent Dean Holden, who was present, said, quote, This operation was aimed at disrupting serious and organized crime and was undertaken as a result of intelligence received suggesting individuals involved in criminality were attending the event. Additionally, events of this nature have in the past resulted in incidents of serious violent crime. This policing operation was particularly aimed at preventing and disrupting such incidents. The Royal Turks and Caicos Islands Police Force will continue to be proactive in undertaking such operations to reduce crime and fear of crime. I want to thank the public for their assistance by alerting the Royal Turks and Caicos Islands Police Force to incidents of crime and the suspected perpetrators." End quote. The public is being advised to notify the closest police station, 911, or to contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-8477 and give any information regarding crimes or any illegal activity anonymously. Please note that Crime Stoppers calls are answered in Miami by Miami-Dade Crime Stoppers, which is a nonprofit organization and not a police agency. The calls are anonymous and cannot be traced in the United States or the TCI. 
And His Excellency the Governor Nigel Dakin has confirmed the appointments of Justice Jacqueline Cornelius Thorne and Justice Bernard Turner to the Turks and Caicos Islands Court of Appeal. The two officially commence their duties on February 1, 2023 and will serve until January 31, 2028. Justice Cornelius Thorne, wife of prominent former SIPT attorney Ralph Thorne King's counsel, is a native of Barbados, while Justice Turner is a native of the Bahamas. The two were appointed by the governor upon the recommendation of the Judicial Services Commission. Justice Cornelius Thorne is a highly experienced judicial officer, having been appointed to the Barbados bench in 2006 after 18 years as a practicing attorney. A graduate of Queens College, she attended the Faculty of Law Cave Hill Campus from the University of the West Indies and the Hugh Wooding Law School as a Barbados exhibitioner. She was a Pegasus Commonwealth Scholar at Trinity Hall Cambridge University, where she gained an LLM in commercial law, and she is taught at the Faculty of Law as the course director for Revenue Law and Insolvency Law and has taught or tutored family, administrative, and contract law. Justice Cornelius Thorne has extensive experience in the criminal court and was the only Barbadian member of the Advisory Committee on Guidelines for Sexual Offenses Cases, a judicial reform and constitutional strengthening project funded by the Government of Canada and managed by the Caribbean Court of Justice. She is also one of the founding members of the Caribbean Association of Women Judges and sits on its executive committee as vice president and a member of the International Association of Women Judges and a member of its Human Trafficking Committee. Justice Bernard Turner, a 1987 graduate of the Norman Manley Law School in Kingston, Jamaica, has been a judge in the Supreme Court of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas since December of 2009. He was appointed a senior justice in the Bahamas in October 2020. Senior Justice Turner served as Crown Counsel in the Office of the Attorney General since 1988 and was appointed the DPP in 1999, where he served for 10 years. He is presently the senior judge in the criminal division of the Supreme Court. He chairs the committee for the design and installation of an electronic bail management system in the Bahamas, is one of three committee chairs responsible for the relaunch of a digital recording system within the court system of the Bahamas, is a member of the executive committee of the Supreme Court and a member of the Judicial and Legal Services Commission of the Bahamas. Prior to joining the judiciary, Justice Turner was a trained anti-money laundering and combating the financing of terrorism examiner, a CFATF mutual examination, AML CFT examiner and trainer, and also an IMF short-term consultant on assessing the quality and consistency of AML and CFT reports. He also chaired the 2002-2004 Commonwealth Working Group on Asset Repatriation and was the Bahamian-designated expert on the Committee of Experts on the Implementation of the Organization of American States Corruption Convention. And the Turks and Caicos Islands government has announced the execution of a five-year dredging license to enable the Ports Authority to carry out maintenance and emergency dredging in ports and navigation channels throughout the Turks and Caicos Islands. 
This news comes just days after a protest was staged by residents of Sandy Point, North Cagus, last week, complaining bitterly of the narrow channel. The residents, many of whom who work on Barrett Key, said the daily sea voyage to and from on a small boat instead of the proper ferry service is a treacherous and inconvenient one. The execution of the license is a very important development and with the new dredging license, the Ports Authority will now be able to launch dredging projects in a timely manner. Under the license, the Ports Authority or subcontractors whom they engage would be able to carry out dredging projects subject to notification of the DECR and compliance with conditions included in the license. The five-year dredging license is granted in accordance with the Mineral Exploration and Exploitation Ordinance and is also consistent with the Mineral Exploitation and Emergency Dredging Policy, which was approved back in 2021. The dredging license covers the following ports and channels. In Providencialis, the South Dock and Heaving Down Rock Dock Port Navigational Channels. In North Caicos and Pine Key, it covers the Belfield Landing Turning Basin, Belfield Landing Channel, the Pine Key Channel, and Sandy Point Access Channel. That brings us to the end of local news. Regional news is up next. Let's take a look at what's going on with our neighbors. 32 nationals of the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States, also known as OECS, were deported from the United States last year, according to the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Annual Report. St. Vincent and the Grenadines topped the list with 10 deportees. Five were Dominicans and four each were from Antigua and Barbuda, St. Kitts and Nevis, and St. Lucia. The five for Grenada was an increase when compared to the number deported in 2021, but a decrease from the 2020 figure. In those years, there were six and three, respectively. The U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement report did not clearly outline the reasons for the deportations or the offenses in which they committed. It just said those removed included non-citizens arrested by enforcement and removal operations in the interior of the United States, as well as those apprehended by Customs and Border Protection along the southwest border and subsequently transferred for removal. Now, the chief executive officer of the Barbados Agricultural Management Company, or BAMC, Orlando Atherley, says the agency should bring in approximately $4.2 million Bahamian dollars in revenue from the sale of locally branded packages of sugar exports that will be sold to the United States during this year's harvest, which starts today. Barbados recently secured a contract to sell the United States 2,500 tons of packaged sugar each year. During a post-cabinet press conference this past Friday, Agriculture Minister Indar Weir said Barbados has almost now doubled the price it's getting for its packaged sugar exports. Previously, the nation sold sugar for somewhere around 900 Barbadian dollars per ton. Now the nation is selling sugar at around 1500 to 1700 Barbadian dollars per ton. Previously, Barbados produced the sugar and exported it in bulk, and that is the reason for having the bond at the 
support. The country is no longer using that bond and are now no longer exporting sugar in bulk. They are actually packaging sugar with Barbadian branding and that sugar is being exported to the U.S. and they still have the option of exporting to the United Kingdom as well. The canes are at a mature stage and are ready for harvesting. The factory is also ready and recently conducted was a major boiler retubing exercise. And well-known Jamaican comedian Major Hype has been jailed in Marietta, Georgia, where he is facing charges for simple battery and felony charges from making terroristic threats and acts. Major Hype, whose real name is Nigel Theron Joseph, has been arrested again and is currently in custody at the Cobb County Sheriff's Office without bond. The 45-year-old comedian has been in jail for the last few days, charged with terroristic threats and acts, which is a felony offense, and simple battery, which is a misdemeanor. He has not been granted bail. Hype, who was born in New York City, is known across the Caribbean community for his entertaining skits. He is skilled at impersonating the accents and relatable personality traits of people in the region. This landed him his own BET digital series. This is not the comedian's first arrest in the state. Major Hype was previously arrested in January 2021 following an incident involving his ex-girlfriend Letitia Kirby Farrell. At the time, he was charged with two felony counts of kidnapping, making terroristic threats and simple battery. He later bonded out of jail at $15,000. Despite his recent arrest, his social media accounts remain active and are likely being run by an assistant. There were no further details surrounding his arrest given by law enforcement. That wraps up the happenings around the region. International News is up next. So let's take a look at what's going on around the world. Coming from our partners at CNN, at least 59 people, including an infant, children and several women, died after a wooden boat carrying migrants broke apart on rocks off the coast of Calabria, Italy. The death toll is provisional and likely to rise as bad weather in that part of the Mediterranean Sea is hampering search efforts and making the fields of debris much larger. The first three bodies washed up on the beach near Staccato di Cutro in southern Italy around 4.40 a.m. local time Sunday. The vessel reportedly left the Turkish city of Izmir three or four days ago with 140 to 150 people on board. Around 80 people were saved from the water, clinging on to pieces of the boat. The survivors were from Iran, Pakistan and Afghanistan. Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney blamed human traffickers, saying it is criminal to launch a boat just 20 meters long with 200 people on board in adverse weather. Records show that close to 12,000 people have arrived in Italy so far in 2023 by sea, with 678 of them arriving at Calabria. Typically, arrivals are from African countries rather than the Middle East and Asia, with the majority of boats setting off from Libya. The most deadly migration route is the Central Mediterranean route, where at least 20,334 people have died since 2014, according to the International Organization for Migration's Missing Migrants Project. And an arrest warrant has been issued for South Florida rap artist Kodak Black. 
Born Bill Capri, known better publicly as Kodak Black, violated the conditions of his pretrial release. Authorities say Black, who is 25 years old, first failed to submit to random drug and alcohol testing on February 3rd. On February 8th, he did take a drug and alcohol test, which showed a positive result for fentanyl. As a result, Black's release has been revoked and an arrest warrant was signed by a Broward County judge on February 23rd. Black was initially arrested in July of 2022 after troopers pulled him over and found 31 oxycodone pills and $74,960 in cash, in addition to Black driving with an expired driver's license and tags. And a celebration of the life and legacy of Thomas Dorch Jr. took place this past Saturday at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. On Saturday morning, over 7,000 were in attendance, including our Minister of Health, the Honorable Sean Malcolm, mourning the loss of Atlanta businessman and activist Dorch Jr., who touched lives all over the world. 72-year-old Thomas Dorch Jr. died on February 15th, surrounded by family and close friends, after a battle with pancreatic cancer. Dorch, an international figure, purpose-driven philanthropist, and celebrated civic leader, he led a storied career that propelled him to leadership roles as a trustee at a number of the nation's leading historically black colleges and universities and chairman of the 100 Black Men of America, Inc. Dorch was born in Toccoa, Georgia in 1950. From a young age, he was set for success and turned that success into aid for others. Dorch's accolades are too many to list. He worked on seeking aid for the disenfranchised. He was the first African-American state director to serve as a U.S. Senator. Dorch worked on minority and small business development, transportation, and nonprofit organizations. Not only does he leave behind a legacy, but he also leaves behind thousands of colleagues and friends, his wife, five children, and 14 grandchildren. The Turks and Caicos Islands chapter surely appreciates all the work and support in which Dorch provided. May his soul rest in peace. That's it for international news. Sports is up next. Let's take a look at what's going on in the sporting world. NBA players are seen to the public as these amazing, talented sports stars who make millions of dollars throwing a ball. But we must not forget that they have families and they are just as much caring human beings as us. Philadelphia 76er star James Harden gave a much-needed morale boost to John Hayao, a 20-year-old Michigan State student who was paralyzed from the chest down after the deadly shooting on campus earlier this month. After Harden read about Hayao and what happened to him, finding out that Hayao is a huge fan, Harden knew he wanted to help. The star point guard surprised Hayao, who is getting care in the hospital, with a FaceTime call. Videos circulating the internet and various news outlets show that call between Harden and Hayao. Harden is heard saying, 
everything will work itself out. Be strong. You're all right. You'll be all right. I promise you are. I know it's tough right now, but you gotta stay physically strong. You know what I mean? You just gotta think positive things and keep pushing and keep fighting. He also sent over some gifts for Hayao, including a pair of sneakers actually worn in an NBA game. Harden also contributed to Hayao's GoFundMe page, which was set up to help pay his medical bills, which totaled $366,000. At the end of their call, Harden gave Hayao his personal cell phone number. The NBA star told ESPN that he wanted to brighten the 20-year-old's day, even if it was just for one minute. And this year at Super Bowl 57, where the Kansas City Chiefs took on the Philadelphia Eagles, we saw two brothers fight against each other for the coveted title, Jason and Travis Kelsey. Although losing to his brother, Philadelphia Eagles star Jason Kelsey received unconditional support and love from Kansas City towards his foundation called Be Philly. The foundation was created in October 2022 and helps to fund programs that directly improve the lives of Philadelphia's youth by improving the education and economic outcomes of students in the Philadelphia public schools. After the Super Bowl, the Chiefs Kingdom Memes Twitter account suggested that fans donate to Kelsey's charity in $14.90 increments. That number was derived by taking the jersey numbers of Jason Kelsey, 62, broken down into $6.20, and his brother Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, number 87, broken down into $8.70. The fundraising goal for 2023 for the charity was set at $100,000. After the Super Bowl, over 5,000 donations were made and the foundation has raised more than $129,000 for the youth. And for all you soccer fans out there, Manchester United won its first trophy since 2017 with a 2-0 victory over Newcastle United to win the Carabao Cup at Wembley Stadium on Sunday. The trophy cements an excellent turnaround under Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag, who has transformed the club from perennial underachievers to trophy winners in just over 10 months. It was a final long time coming for both teams for different reasons. For Manchester United, the club hasn't won a trophy since 2017. In the black and white of Newcastle, it is an even longer wait having not won any major silverware for 54 years. And to the delight of Manchester United fans, their local hero and the team's man in form, Rashford, was declared fit to start despite a recent injury scare. Newcastle was without its own star player and goalkeeper Nick Pope, who had been shown a red card in his previous game, meaning that he was suspended. In the opening few minutes and in a crackling atmosphere, there was very little between the two teams, with Newcastle's Alan St. Maximin going closest after some trademark quick footwork. When it looked as if Newcastle might be building up steam, it was shut down when a free kick from out wide headed past Carius by Casemiro. In the end, Manchester United was able to run down the remainder of the clock, ending its six-year trophy wait, the club's longest wait for a major trophy since 1983, and possibly usher in a new era at the club. That brings us to the end of sports, but before we go, let's take a look at our weather forecast. Mostly 
mostly sunny and clear skies, highs of 78 degrees and lows of 72. Winds are light and variable from the northeast at 4 miles per hour and switching to the east-northeast later on at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Little to no chance of rain expected with a 1 to 5% chance. Humidity levels remain around 68%. That completes our weather forecast and today's newscast. Recapping the news for today, police conduct operation at popular Provo Night Club. Two new justices appointed for Court of Appeal. Barbados to export packaged sugar to the United States. Jamaican major hype arrested in the U.S. Migrant vessel crashes off Italian coast, leaving more than 50 dead. Arrest warrant issued for rapper Kodak Black. Thank you all so much for joining me here on RTC 89.1 FM for today's newscast. If you'd like to read more stories or if you missed today's presentation, you can always visit our website at www.rtc89fm.com or download the RTC app in the Google Play Store for the news or to listen to our podcast. Again, before we go, the Premier Honorable Charles Washington Mizick will address the nation at 7 p.m. in the State of the State Address for the government's two years in office. You can listen via the nation station Radio Turks and Caicos 89.1 FM or watch live on Facebook on the office of the Premier. Have a good evening, Turks and Caicos. I am Soya Fassler. Join us again tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. for another edition of The Nation's Report.